You're listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson, and for the next half hour, you're going to be listening to all things food and drink, but probably more drink than food on this occasion. I'm joined by my new fellow presenter, Andrew Morgan of The Bottle Shop. Hi, Andrew. Hello, Sue. Are you excited about this? Yeah, really excited. I'm really excited too. Um, and we're going to be doing four special programmes with Andrew over the next couple of weeks, um, and particularly focusing on drink because you run something called The Bottle Shop. Do you want to tell us a little bit about The Bottle Shop? I love it. Sure. Um, we import and distribute amazing beer um, so for the last eight years. Uh, started off as a little shop in Canterbury, and um, now... Yeah, we um we bring over some amazing beer from the states and from Scandinavia and source out the best beer possible to send around the UK. It's um it's quite every exciting. time I email you, you say I'm terribly sorry. I'm in the midst of California sourcing. I mean, it's a dreadful job. It is. It is a tough life. Yeah. Um. No. No one's going to give me any any kind of uh, sympathy for no. for the for the long hours and dedicated drinking that I no. have to endure. But it's really important that you do go and actually taste these things for you, for the bottle shop, because literally you've got hundreds and hundreds of beers, but you want to be sure that the ones that you've got, you are very proud of. Yeah, indeed. I think tasting them authentically, so tasting them at source um, from the brewery, meeting the brewers, finding out their story is is critical for us, choosing or deciding on who we're going to choose, basically. Um, and we, yeah, I mean, the good beer is a wonderful thing, but a great story is also um, equally important and um, getting the beer over in a way that is representative of what it tasted like at the brewery mm. is also really, really important to us. Because one of the things I learned um, from you when you came on the programme a few weeks ago, uh, which I didn't know, is that I thought beer would keep for six months or a year because the beers I have in my fridge have that stamped. But that actually is not true. It will deteriorate and deteriorate. And, yeah. and it's not just a best before end date. There is something about beer, about drinking it, at the right temperature and and as soon as as you can from from bottling there's there's definitely um i think there's a there's a with general lager that you sort of buy from a supermarket uh, generally the day that it's born and the day that it it dies is it's pretty much the same all the way along you can stick it in a warm shelf or out in a barbecue or whatever and, and it'll, it'll be pretty it's, it's pretty pretty holds up pretty well really is that because they put lots of preservatives well, they, they just no they just kind of cut they just pasteurize and filter it so oh, okay. they take any any anything nasty that could um mm or anything good that could actually... Uh, anything good. Anything good. Um, and, and there are lots of beers out there that are produced um, where they will degrade in quality and flavour quite quickly uh, in a matter of certainly days. There's a big, big drop in days and then weeks and then months. And uh, the, the key to it is refrigeration. So it's treating it like a fresh food product mm. um, rather than something that you can, yeah, you can have shelf stable for a year. It's quite a scary thought that for anyone who knows about beer that you can actually honestly say that it's worth drinking a year later if it's not designed to be, um, to be, to be, yeah, 
Mm, like my stomach churn just thinking about it um and and the other thing um obviously is that you were talking about stories if you go and see these people and talk to them it does mean that when you go back and and you know your staff as well can actually talk to the punters they they can tell them and bring that that beer to life yeah it really matters i mean we've got three bars and um all the people that we we sell to like um uh yeah um steph who's here from cats and taps um we you know it's 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 really important that that the understanding of why that brew is, is is worthwhile is there, and um, you know to get a through line where there aren't any sort of kinks in the chain, where 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 you can you're not sure, you know, where if, mm-hmm. if you lose that message, then I think it's so important that the, the the end consumer, you know, the person there with a drink in their hand, can really feel connected to the brewery and understand why why the, why they're awesome. Really, um, I mean, every every brewery will tell you they are awesome, um, but they're unfortunately not particularly but you're impartial. A curate, you're a curator, yeah, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, well, well, unfortunately, as well, we, we, one does have to, have, have to mm. curate. So we, um, yeah, so we, we, we step in and we're not always right, but hopefully we get it more, more right than wrong. Mm. Which leads us rather nicely to our two guests. So we're joined by Will Hawkes, um, who's um, well, a very, very well-respected food and drink writer, and also Stephanie Palgrave Elliott of Caps and Taps. Now, you know Andrew, don't you, Stephanie? Yes, uh, we've been buying, bottle, uh, buying from bottle shops since we began in 2015. Um, we've also met him at a variety of festivals across the land he gets around a bit doesn't he he does <laughs> now now um, so, so tell us about um, caps and taps what exactly is it that you do so we're a craft beer bottle shop um, when we started it was mainly bottles that we stocked though we have a lot of cans now um, can shop doesn't sound quite as good no <laughs> uh, we keep as much as we can refrigerated um, as we were just discussing it's really important to keep hoppy IPAs mm. cold mm. and away from light um, we also serve beer on site, so it's like a very tiny bar. Got like a tasting room, haven't you, in uh, in room. Kentish Town? One yeah. of our best customers calls it a nano bar. Yes, which we quite like that's that okay. Label. Yeah, yeah. But do you think that people are expecting to try stuff? Is that is that that what you're finding? Oh, absolutely. Mm. So, you know, we have customers who come in and buy a six pack of their favourite beer, mm. but usually customers come in and buy fifteen different beers. Wow. The newer the better. Yeah. And is that because there is this um, pun here, um, a thirst for something new and different so that when they go back home, if they've got some some friends around, um, it's like, well, this is different. This is new. Have you tasted this one before? And it gives you a little bit of cachet if you feel you, you're bringing something to your friends that they haven't seen before. Oh, absolutely. So we've, our customers have worked out our delivery day is Tuesday. Right. So Tuesday evening. Um, that's when all our best customers come in so they can be the first to bring the new fresh version can to their friends. That is a genius idea. So you don't have delivery day on Friday, obviously, when it's busy already. Let's have delivery day on Tuesday. Yeah, it's perfect. No one's buying beer at no, day on a Tuesday. Like, yeah. so we can actually get it in the fridges. Yeah. Um, now, um, obviously, I know that you're, you've got your finger on the pulse in, ter- you know, in terms of writing articles. And that. Are you finding that, that, that people want that novelty? Is that what you're picking up? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think what's happening is is something that's been bubbling under for a number of years. It's this interest in, particularly, let's be honest, it's, it's hoppy beers, it's IPAs, uh, and it's many, many iterations of IPAs, um, a ludicrous number of iterations, really, but, but people want hops, and that is becoming more mainstream. You see breweries like um, Beavertown, Brewdog, they've built their reputation on, on beers that are very, very hot forward, and that, that's the flavour that people are looking for. So what are you finding, Andrew? Yeah, definitely. I think the it's 
uh, I think it's one of those, there are some beers that, that, are, that are slight fashions, um, but they, they come and go. But the, the, the sense of IPAs and, and hops being something that are now just identifiable, people almost associate that resinous kind of um, skunky sort of uh, <laughs> kind of character as, as being representative of what beer is. Whereas I think you turn the clock back 10 years and it was, it was a pint of real ale, which doesn't really have the same, the same character. And I think people um, are expecting more from their, from their pint than, than, than ever before. Mm. And Stephanie, how do you source yours in terms of, are you, are you, do you do what Andrew does in, in terms of trying to taste as many as you can? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Every holiday, me and my partner, he's also my husband, have gone on in the last five years. He's usually involved a brewery stop or two. Um, I'm just constantly curating like Andrew, trying to find the latest thing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, it helps that we have distributors like the Bottle Shop who do mm. a nice big collection of good beer, yeah. especially from the US. It would be impossible for us to source on our own. Um, but all the London breweries we, have, we deal with directly, so mm. we make sure we're trying those. And like trying them, trying them over and over again because what they were putting out a year ago isn't necessarily what they're putting Might out. Be different, today. yeah, yeah. Um, um, and Andrew, how does that leave a producer then? Because you might have, you might have, I don't know, six s sort of beers that you produce. But are people going to constantly go for the same ones? Or as a producer, are you thinking, right, we'll, we'll do this for a year, but then we need to produce another beer another year because there is that sense of novelty all the time? Does, think, does it make it difficult for them? I think to, to have a core range, something that you can really pin your, uh, your, your main brew schedule on, hmm. um, but also showing that you have the adaptability to, to brew specials. I mean, we had uh, we were some, some breweries that are producing weekly new beers, um, some monthly, some you know, wow. quarterly. But I think, again, it used to be quarterly seasonal. So, again, you, you think back to the real ale days and you, you pretty much had someone like Fuller's doing doing a special every quarter. It now feels, I mean, every week's a bit much. Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that, that makes everyone's life a little tricky. It stops being um, interesting. I think you need to find that balance between uh, having having enough time for people to to forget about it and then get excited again. It is it is kind of, um, it's sort of all and then nothing, and then all and nothing. And, mm. and, and that rhythm... Certainly from our point of view, where, where every Monday um, is kind of new release Monday and it's pretty much Christmas every Monday when that list goes out. And we have to have beer that makes everybody look in our direction and rather than just buy the core stuff, which again, going, going back to other distributors, that, that's pretty much what they would do. They have a core range and then a little bit of specials here and there. We, we pretty much, our currency is all specials really. And, you know, the breweries are producing amazing beer. It's, we're not short of product. Um, when it comes down to it, there's there's some fantastic beer that is genuinely exciting. I think that's one mm. of the big changes is having what I affectionately refer to as circus and entertainment in in, in the beer world, where it is genuinely exciting to look at a list of beer and go, oh my god, what what, what am I going to have first? I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah I'm, so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. A bit like when you get a great menu, isn't it? And you can't make your mind. Up. It is totally. Yeah. Mm. Um, aside from that, Stephanie, obviously you're gonna you're going to pin you know pin what you do on a bit of novelty. So you're trying to get people to come because they they don't know what they're going to find, and it's it's quite exciting. You also do quite a lot of events, though, don't you? Um, and and you've got to mix that in and be a destination as well. We're living at a time where there are beer events happening, you know, every day of the week at various locations. Um, so it's about trying to find events which aren't happening at the pub down the road and also the pub across town and also the pub. So you're really standing out. Away. So we're trying to curate. And, and you really did stand out over Christmas because you hosted a 
build your own advent calendar. Now, that's a sort of like creativity I really like. Explain to me what, what that was. So, <laughs> obviously, um, beer is fun. Advent calendars are fun. Um, we, like, we make our own advent calendars that we sell in the shop, but it's the same beers in, across all of them, and it's a mixture of styles. Uh, well, explain to me, because advent calendar for me is like when I was a kid, you know, you just open a little window and there's a tiny crappy chocolate in there. Well, h- how do you do a beer advent calendar? Well, there's 24 bottles of beer in a case and 24 days of advent. So you wrap up a bottle in tissue paper. Oh, and put the number on. And put the number on top, a little star sticker, and dot them about the box. It's pretty handy that there's 24, isn't there? <laughs> Kismet. Yeah, yeah, that is kismet. Um, so that's the sort of thing you would do. And and that gets your, your sort of clients really involved, your customers involved, and a bit of fun. Yes. So the idea of it was actually that people would come in and build advent calendars for their loved ones, but we ended up having a lot of people come in and build advent calendars for themselves. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure they quite got the, the, hang of the it. surprise element of mm. an advent calendar. Mm. But. And, and Will, again, in terms of trends, you, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of really got your fingers on the pulse across the sort of the beer sector, particularly in the UK and London. Are you seeing that some of the, the some of these sort of breweries and, and um, sort of um, tasting rooms or whatever are having to really think hard about making sure they're a destination as well as having great beer because people have got so much choice in essence? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there are a couple of different things happening, in, particularly in the London beer scene is there's a group of breweries who are reaching a certain size and are looking to have uh, their own outlets, uh, whether it be bars or tap rooms or whatever you call it. So mm. that that's definitely happening. I was at a, a pub last night in the centre of town that's owned by Truman's Brewery, uh, Newman Arms, which is the first um, pub they've opened since that brewery was was um, revived in, t- in 2010. And then I think there are other breweries who aren't maybe quite so interested in that, who, who are happy to stay smaller and 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 uh, attack the market in a different way so there's lot there's lots going on and, and i think mm. there's huge huge diversity in london and, and what's your thoughts on on brew dog so so started off very firmly brewing beer because they felt that that what they wanted wasn't wasn't out there quite strongly very very great you know great at branding mm. and have now taken off like um, unbelievably but but they've got a lot of bars what's well, your thoughts first on to say about brew dog is it's a genius business model Right. I mean, they basically uh, they, they they do crowdfunding after crowdfunding after crowdfunding, and, and what that does is it brings in money, not all the money they need, but it brings in money. But it's also a fantastic publicity. Mm. You know, they are they they've been unbelievably good at keeping their names at the front of the of the beer news agenda for the last well eleven years since they started really, mm. and they, and they and they now have a, a hugely central, a really powerful role. In, in British beer, because as you say, they've got dozens of bars. They've got a, a by British standards, British craft beer standards, a huge brewery. Uh, they're known overseas. They're building a brewery. They built a brewery in the States. They're going to build one in Australia. You know, it, it, it's a phenomenon, Brewdog, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, it is, it's the biggest show in town when it comes but, to craft beer. But surely one of the reasons why they have, have, have become so well known is they're really not afraid of controversy. But that is a double edged sword, and that's a pretty difficult tiger to ride in in a way it is a double-edged sword yeah and and they've they've annoyed a lot of people along the way and i think people get eventually they get sick of it but i guess Brewdog um think well if we're constantly reaching new people for who this whole shtick is is fresh then you know if there's, if there's a few people we leave behind then on the ledger we're up you know so mm. like, as long as they keep moving forward you know and, and they can keep 
the momentum up that they built, tremendous momentum, then I guess they'll be happy with that. I mean, I think some of us quite like the fact that, you know, they'll take the mickey out of the nanny state and they mm. produce a non-alcoholic beer. But producing beer that's got a, a ridiculous proof, I can't remember what their highest proof yeah. beer is. I mean, it's, it's, it's easily more than wine. I think it's more approaching whiskey in terms of strength yeah. um, and things like that. Some, might, some people might say that's irresponsible um, and other people might say, well, they're not really going to sell it. They're just doing it again to, to, to make sure their name's at the forefront. Um, what, what's your thoughts on, on well, some I of the things they're trying to do? I tried one of those beers. I can't remember which one it was. And it was about 35%. And to be honest, it, it was disgusting. Hmm. But it, again, it's, it's all part of the marketing. You know, whether it's irresponsible or not, I don't know. I mean, I leave it up to, to adults to decide what they want to do yeah. with, their, yeah. with their drinking. Um, but, but it's just part of the brew dog machine. They've always been... They they sometimes make a misstep. I think they've been they've offended people at times in a way they didn't intend to. Yeah. You know, often they do intend to offend people, but sometimes they've done it by mistake. Um, but by and large, that their aim is to be talked about, is to be at the front of people's minds, and they've always achieved that. Mm. Would you stock or do you, I should say, Andrew? Do you stock their beers? Yeah, we've had a relationship with Brewdog going way, way, way back, um, and it's been a pleasure to see them, you know, grow from. Pretty humble origins, although saying that, you know, their, their story and it's, uh, although I wouldn't wish to, to plug their book um, too much, it, it is a fantastic read. I mean, the Brewdog story is phenomenal and uh, uh, your local bookshop um, has, has a book from uh, by, by James Watt explaining the whole thing. But I mean, they, they um, yeah, I mean, they, they've achieved more than I think they could ever have dreamed of, really. And their ambitions uh, are outrageous and a lot of their <laughs> beers are outrageous and... You know, we look at this this trend that we, we're talking about in terms of novelty or, you know, what was novelty and now is just genuinely entertainment. And, and they, they've they largely created that. I mean, they, you know, those those high strength beers um, caused controversy and the world's a better place for it because at least people are talking about um, interesting beer. I mean, I remember my dad cutting a piece out of the sun uh, that was talking about this, this Brewdog beer. And, and it was incredible that my old man, um, you know, had, had read about that in, in, in a tabloid press. It was like fantastic beers actually got through to a, to a platform that it never would have done otherwise by just something that was quite an unassuming. And those are two words that would never define Brewdog. Really. Mm. And where do you think they can go from here? Do they, will they naturally become, you know, a large business that loses its personality? Or do you think they really I can, know, you know? It's, it's been interesting seeing um, the founders take a back seat. And certainly mm. uh, James and Martin were dressing up in penguin costumes and Doing all the crazy stuff themselves back in the day, much to the to the fear and worry of their PR manager. Um, but now I think it seems to be a more um, scalable ship, I suppose. And and they, yeah, they they can. I mean, their, their ability to to open up bars and 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 close bars as well. I mean, all credit to them. They they've they haven't always succeeded. There's been a few venues that haven't worked and a few concepts that haven't worked. But they take it on the chin and they move on. And I think fail, the fail quickly. Yeah, or, or just you know, just they're, they're adaptable. I think again, that that's there's a sense of you know, big business can be very slow to to, to react. And I think Brewdog have shown that that they're not like that. Um, and the idea of taking the message to America and Australia directly and having the breweries over there makes an awful lot of sense. I think mm. they they are um, they are a beacon for for the UK brewing industry and whether. You know whether you approve of what they've done or not. Uh, ultimately, the, the wake that they've left has, Can't ignore has been incredible, uh, and they, yeah, the, the British beer industry wouldn't be what it is today without them. Mm. I think one issue with Brewdog is that people outside of the craft beer world do conflate craft beer with Brewdog. So when they they act the fool or whatever, people 
um, dismissed craft beer rather than just Brewdog. It was really interesting. They had a bit of a, a, a Twitter spat with Tenants Lager recently, and um, and uh, it's amazing how many people took the side of Tenants Lager because, of, as you alluded to earlier, they're pissed off with Brewdog. People, some people have had enough of Brewdog. Mm. Interesting. Stephanie, your tips um, in terms of some of the beers you're seeing, a, a next brew dog coming up for you or maybe not that big, but somebody that, you know, somebody you're really impressed with at the moment that you're seeing um, at Caps and Taps. So on a, a very new brewery, I think they haven't even been open a year, but Burnt Mill in Suffolk. Um, I would say they sort of come from nowhere, but their head brewer has worked at various brewers before. Um, they're just producing fantastic beers. A really good gluten-free beer because Sophie Duran, the head brewer, is a celiac, um, and everything that they've produced so far, I've loved. Mm-hmm. And they and, and people can get that at your uh, at your place, can. of course they can. Andrew, um, anyone, any particular things that you're seeing? Prefer it UK? Any particular breweries that you really think are going to go places? I think it's interesting to look at. Um, I think something Steph referred to earlier: the fact that one has to uh, reevaluate breweries on a, on, a, on an ongoing basis. You can't just write someone off for for not being good in their in their first few days, weeks, months, or even years. Um, and I think there's been a few that that breweries that we weren't didn't feel there was a commercial opportunity for us, but now. They're producing beer that really is world class, um, and I'd certainly put uh, Gypsy Hill um, in that category. I think they're Stephanie's nodding there. They're um, yeah, they're, they're they're really they're really coming to their own in a way that's just wonderful to see their confidence. And they, they had such a you know again their story's been been a it's been littered with a few potholes. Um, literally, I think their their floor of their brewery was one of their biggest um, mistakes that they made in terms of not doing it properly, and it cost them you know cost them a lot of time and money to, to fix. But they've really come through it and. And I, I really believe in those guys in Hackney. I think, again, they're, they're a brewery who... Um, Stephanie's giving you another nod. Good, good. This is, this is good. This is good. Um, yeah, I, I think they, they're, they're another one in, in London that, again, are just absolutely worth... They were worth reappraising. And, um, and it's, it's a genuine pleasure, I think, you know, I think Steph would, would agree that, that to support these breweries, to feel that we're part of their story. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not content producers. You know, we, we, we are, all we're doing is just taking someone else's um, beer and, and presenting it to people. And, and that confidence, you know, that, that's all we can add. But the fact is there are, yeah, there's a surprising number of breweries that, that are really finding their feet now. Um, and I'd certainly pick, pick those two out. Will, have you got any favourites? Well, I think one interesting thing that's happening in craft beer, and you wouldn't necessarily expect it, and we've just talked about hops, is the, the rise of quality lager. You know, I think there is a big market for, for good quality lager made by uh, smaller breweries using good good quality ingredients. And I'd highlight in that respect Four Pure. I think they're doing a really good job. And there's a couple of new interesting breweries, uh, one in Northamptonshire called Braybrook, which is making a, a, a Franconian-style dark lager, which is quite a new thing for the for the UK market. A dark lager? Dark lager, yeah. So, so what's that like then? So so for me, lager's a bit, little bit fizzy, it's quite light, you know, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So, so what's a dark lager? Well, most of the lager we drink is uh, that the world drinks is a descendant of Pilsner, which is a, a pale lager um, in its original iteration, quite hoppy, although that's been dulled down you know, for, for the mass market. A dark lager has, has, has some, some dark malt in it, a bit like a, okay. a, you know, a, a, a Best Bitter might have some, some darker coloured malts mm. in it. So it has more of a toasty character, uh, maybe more of that uh, rich malty character as well. Yep. And when they're good, they're really, really delicious. And that, but it's got sort of lager feel to it, by the sound of it. 
sorry. That... But got a lager sort of feel to it by the sound of it, a dark lager. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well, it, it's, 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 there, it, in the world of beer, there's ales and lagers, essentially, mm. and lagers are made in a slightly different way. So the dark lagers are made in, in much the same way as the, the pale lagers. It's just a slight difference in mm. ingredients. Okay. And um, I know you write for, uh, you know, all sorts of uh, publications, and you're a professional writer, of which there aren't many these days, because it's actually incredibly hard to be a professional, you know, or get paid for yeah. blogging and writing articles. But I know you do because you're well, so well-respected. So you were, you know, you write in The Guardian and... New York Times, I think, do you? And all Washington, sorts, Post. Washington Post, rather, all sorts of things. Um, looking at stuff right across the landscape at the moment, what, what trends are you picking out? Um, I just think quality is the big trend at the moment in terms of... Uh, of, 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 of uh, I think Andrew talked about it, Steph talked about this. The beer that people are producing is, um, it, is way better than it was three or four years ago in the UK, in Australia. The US is, is a few years ahead and they're leading the way in terms of quality, but people are really investing in good equipment. So the beer you can buy now, whereas four or five years ago, you might have been taking a bit of a risk. Chips Hill is a great example. You know, the quality of the beer they're, they're pumping out because they really have invested in making sure that every every can, every pint is as good as it should be. And getting consistency, and getting presumably. Consistency, mm. And it's great for the consumer because they know they can rely on these breweries. So that's one. Tell me another that you think is a bit off the wall that you're seeing. An at off moment. the wall trend. Yeah. Um, oh goodness. Uh, I love putting people on the spot, <laughs> especially on the radio. <laughs> um, I think I think the classic one would be the rise of w- w- what is called sour beer. You know, there's there's lots of traditional breweries in Belgium who make beer. Uh, it's sort of a, a laborious process and it involves the introduction of various. Uh, bacteria and and wild yeast and the end result is kind of a tart uh, but very very delicious beer and and the Americans have led the way in trying to re- replicate that and they're doing producing some wonderful beers I'm sure Andrew sells lots of these beers and it's starting to happen in the UK Australia I write a lot in Australia so I know I know what's going on over there as well so what's the difference between bitter and sour so, so you get beers that are quite bitter uh-huh yeah yeah uh, um, but, but what's the sourness what what, what, what sort of flavors are we talking about sort of um uh acidic flavors so mm. maybe a lemon a lemony character or um uh balsamic vinegar some wow. of these beers might have that character too so yeah there's uh, you, you, sometimes they go hand in hand and people do conflate them but they're quite different experiences bitterness and, and sourness top tip here chaps look out for sour beer any of your favorites that i came to your place and you made me made me made you. drink that um cherry beer that was oh yeah, the, the cherry wine from Frederickstar. Oh, cherry wine. Uh, yeah, they're, they're wine. No wonder wine. I yeah, it. wine. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're um, these guys from um, from Denmark, just outside Copenhagen, and mm-hmm. they're producing wine from cherries rather than grapes, which uh, they, there's a whole native cherry to that area that's really quite sour and just phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. I mean, you kind of just think, oh, well, cherries are cherry until you, in the same way as like, you'd never say grapes are grape to a wine person. Um, it would, you know, you'd be, absolutely assassinated so mm. cherries are phenomenally interesting in terms of what you can get out of them and they the the i went to go and visit them um a few weeks ago which was an absolute pleasure and one of the most amazing things i've probably ever seen was that they've got these glass demijohns outside um literally just rain or shine hot or cold full of this this cherry juice that's fermenting in these um in these glass demijohns and they're open to the air they've got little things on the top to stop rainwater getting in but they are literally open to air and snow and everything and and they're out there for a year 
Wow. Basically, um, the the, the Danish doing call it. Stuff. I, I, the, my, forgive my pronunciation, um, Denmark, but uh, rancio is the kind of the the word which essentially translates to rancid, which you kind of go, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll have some rancid wine. Um, <laughs> but basically, the process of this stuff going bad, it doesn't go bad bad. It goes kind of good bad, and then they stick it in a barrel for um, for a year, and that kind of balances out all of the the, the prickles that that have gone there before, and it's just some of the most phenomenal flavor that i've ever 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 had um and they're just lovely guys family owned um producing an absolutely phenomenal product mm. that um that we uh we've we've now got the opportunity to bring to the uk so we're, we're really excited to be able to go out there and challenge wine and spirits people especially to go and taste this and um it's kind of core bottle shop principles you know we just care about stuff that's that's fantastic mm. and um we're quite excited at the, at the idea of playing around with some some cherry wine can we get them on the program so we can we can you know for our listeners make sure there's a link to their website and we can all we'll have a little taste i as think well. we can definitely definitely get them over yeah, yeah I'm, they're, they're I'm um, asking you with they them. love london andrew mm. done done and uh, just finishing off stephanie sour beer are you are you selling any of that at caps and taps absolutely i love sour beer um one of my particular favorites is satsiki sour from mad hatter satsiki sour yes That's yogurty it's very yogurty very minty very cucumbery sounds like it really shouldn't work but it is one of the most refreshing drinks you can have at a picnic <laughs> fabulous well so there you have it there's loads of top tips there of, of beer you've never heard of that you should really really be trying and also our our sort of key producers that we think are doing uh, incredible things if you want to know about um taps and caps, caps you should and taps got it around the wrong way caps <laughs> and taps and you really should you need to go to capsandtaps.co.uk um or trot up to kentish town yep. I'm pre- yeah 130 kentish town road right by the overground tuesday sounds like a great day to arrive because that's when all the new stuff turns up absolutely yeah yeah so definitely go there on a tuesday um and thank you so much um to will hawks um food and drink writer if you want to go onto his blog which is brilliant by the way um there's loads and loads of really interesting um articles i'm sure i'll be embarrassed for me to say um but there's all sorts of stuff like uh, the new brewing apprenticeship scheme which is very interesting isn't it well that's all very interesting yeah very interesting st- stuff um things like how london's becoming the brewing capital despite brexit yeah in yeah. your opinion that's right. um and australian boomerang beer Spent yeah. a little bit article on that oh there's all sorts that all was good sorts. stuff um and uh yeah uh, grape beer grape beer yeah grape yeah, yeah. beer yeah. yeah. So all the stuff on there, and really well written actually, because a lot. I'm I'm really sorry to say, but I think a lot of blogs are actually fairly badly written. Really well written, very well researched. Um, so if you want to go and, and keep your finger on the pulse of that, have I got this right, uh, Will? It's Will Hawks, which is e s at the end. Dot contently dot com. Yeah, it's it's um, that's. A Can we just Google you? Yeah, just go, go to Twitter and follow the link. Yeah. Follow the link, yeah, yeah. and of course, um, Will uh, will be on our website too. So, anything you want to finish off with, uh, Andrew? Uh, I don't think so. That was, that was a pretty good first show, I think. Pretty good first show. Yeah. Well, I've learnt lots that I'm going to try, that's for sure, which is, which is the point of these things, us um, pointing out which ones you need to go and look at. Um, so, you've been listening to the Food Talk show. Um, thank you to my fellow presenter, Andrew Morgan of The Bottle Shop, and you can find hundreds of beers on there if you want to, want to look stuff. But you could just trot up to your site in Bermondsey Bermondsey which is great fun actually in a nice railway arch or Margate or Canterbury 
Mm, I like the Bermondsey one, Bermondsey. Uh, particularly on Saturday. Um, and if you want to recommend any future guests, someone doing something groundbreaking in the food or drink sector, please get in touch with us via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. And if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, go to foodtalk.co.uk. Um, Andrew and I will look forward to joining you next week. Bye now. Mm-hmm.